Have you ever thought about doing business in Cuba but have no idea where to start? Well, join me, Felix Chevalier, on The Cuban Connection, a podcast all about Cuba. We'll have in-depth conversations about commerce, culture, and policy. You can watch the show online at channel713.com or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or whichever podcast service you use. The Cuban Connection with Felix Chevalier on channel713.com. Support for this program comes from the Digital Broadcasting Network, presenting podcasts and web series from everyday people who have an extraordinary passion to make the world a better place. Okay, so let's jump right in. Uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you're from, where you went to school. My name is Felix Chevalier. I was uh, born and raised in the Bronx, New York. Uh, both of my parents uh, immigrated to the United States from Cuba. Uh, my father uh, actually was born in Haiti. That's how I get the French last name. His parents immigrated to Cuba uh, at, when he was a kid, so he was raised in Cuba. My mother was born and raised on the island. Uh, both my parents immigrated, as I mentioned earlier, to uh, the United States in the late 60s. My father went from uh, Guantanamo to Guantanamo Bay, which is where the United States has a Navy base, and from the base, he found a way to get to New York City. My mother, who participated in the uh, nationalization, I'm sorry, education campaign, which was implemented by Fidel Castro in 1961, uh, my mother was a nurse, and so she participated in that campaign where uh, folks in the city would go out to the countryside and basically help people who worked on farms to become literate. And uh, they also needed health care. So my mother was one of the nurses who helped them uh, get some of the health care services that they needed. She did that for about two years and then asked for permission to go to Spain. And from Spain, she went to New York about two years later. And when she got to the airport, my father was waiting for her. Um, so, as I mentioned, born and raised in New York City, I went to uh, elementary school uh, in the South Bronx. I went to high school in, uh, at Dewey Clinton High School, which is in the northern section of the Bronx. And then I went to undergraduate school at the State University of New York College at New Paltz, which is upstate New York, uh, not far from Poughkeepsie and West Point. And then I went to St. John's University School of Law, which is in Queens, New York. Uh, growing up in New York City was very interesting. Coincidentally, this past week, and I was just uh, back in my neighborhood and uh, got to connect with a lot of people who I had not seen in a long time because it just so happened to be uh, kind of like a reunion weekend. So I got the opportunity to reminisce with a lot of people I grew up with and hearing stories about our upbringing and things of that nature. So it was, a, it was an interesting time. So what's your connection to Cuba? So as I mentioned earlier, both of my parents immigrated to the United States in the late 60s. And so as a child, I heard many stories about Cuba. Uh, in my household, uh, I basically grew up within a Cuban culture. Spanish was my first language. I didn't learn English until I was about five or six years old when I started uh, going to public school uh, in my house, all you heard was uh, Tiro Puente, Cela Cruz, another uh, very well-known 
uh, Latin American uh, artists, uh, grew up on uh, Cuban food. In fact, um, I was so accustomed to eating Cuban food that if I didn't have plantains, I would eat my food with bananas because I was just so accustomed to it. there were times when my friends would come by and the house to get me to go outside and play, and my mother would force my friends to dance salsa before giving me permission to go uh, play outside, which was um, frustrating then, but, you know, we look back at that now, we, we think it's pretty cool. So uh, that's how it started, really, with my parents. I would hear a ton of stories about Cuba. Uh, growing up, I would watch my parents collect clothes, shoes, and medicine throughout the year, and then they would lug all of that uh, uh, to Cuba at the end of the year to give to family and friends who were in need. In fact, as I mentioned, I was just in New York uh, this past week, and my mother gave me some luggage for me to bring back to Houston because she knew I was going to Cuba this weekend, and so I'll be uh, lugging it with me from Houston to Havana to do what we've been doing for decades now, which is providing clothes, uh, shoes, and medicine to friends and family on the island. Now, you weren't born and raised in Cuba, but you seem to have um, a passion for Cuba and its people. Uh, Where does that come from? Well, you know, it's interesting. So growing up, of course, as I mentioned, I would hear so many stories about Cuba from my parents and when I was growing up, my my parents would force me to eat all the food that was on my plate. And I would hear story after story about people not having enough food to eat. And of course, as a child, I was not interested in hearing those stories. I just wanted to eat enough food to be satisfied and then go back outside and play with my friends. In 1992, when I was a college student, I was the vice president of the Student Association at the State University of New York College at New Paltz which automatically made me a member of the United States Student Association. The year I became vice president uh, of our student association, there was a national program that was being implemented by the United States Student Association to facilitate a delegation of United States students to Cuba. And uh, I actually applied. Uh, It was a very competitive program. program because, as you, as you can imagine, students from across the country wanted to go. There were only about 13 or 14 slots, and I was uh, fortunate enough to go. Uh, there's an interesting story with that. Um, so I submit the application. There's one day where I happen to be uh, in my dorm room, and I see the New York Times. And I'm not a New York Times reader, at least I wasn't then. I was a typical college student. And the only reason it caught my attention was because on the front cover, there was a story about the collapse of the Soviet Union and the uh, economic impact it was causing on the Cuban uh, society. And uh, they, for example, uh, subsidies from Russia to to Cuba dropped overnight by 90 percent, petroleum being the primary one. And so you can imagine the type of havoc it caused on, uh, uh, on the Cubans. Well, as I'm reading this article, uh, I get an impromptu phone call from the United States Student Association to interview me uh, for this uh, opportunity 
to participate in this uh, student exchange program with Cuba. So I, I share with the gentleman who interviewed me, in fact, his name was Eddie Acosta, and uh, I, I share with Eddie that I was just reading the New York Times. I think he was pretty impressed by that. Uh, and, and so I was selected, but the funny thing is I can't remember any previous time I read the New York Times. So that was, that was one way of God's uh, of shining and, and, and smiling on me to uh, help me start on this journey. Um, so tell us about um, you know, your post-college um, and professional uh, endeavors that have led you down the, the, the road to doing business with Cuba or a desire to educate people on doing business with Cuba. So when I went to Cuba uh, in 1992, uh, that was, um, the best way I could describe it, it was a paradigm shift for me. Uh, the very first day I was in Cuba, I'm standing outside the Havana Libre, which is where we were staying, and I asked Eddie Acosta, uh, why were the people across the street standing in line? And he explained to me that they were uh, standing in line so they can get their rations of food. Uh, and it was at that moment that I understood why my parents would force me to eat all of my food. These people who were standing in line were not bums. Uh, these were everyday people who were uh, getting their ration of food and it frankly just broke my heart because I knew my family members were on that on those lines. And so day one it was uh, it, it impacting me. Uh, we had the opportunity to meet uh, scientists, uh, religious leaders. We got to watch Fidel Castro give a speech, uh, which he conducted on the anniversary of the revolution on January 1st of every year. Uh, we went to a sanitarium, which is a place where they quarantined their AIDS patients. Uh, I mentioned that we met with scientists. I remember scientists telling us, this mind you, this is 25 years ago, uh, where they had solutions to ailments that people in the United States were suffering from for years and even dying from. And, and I, I just cannot reconcile in my mind how we can allow uh, people to die when there are uh, obtainable means of helping people uh, live more healthier lives or just live in in general. Uh, so that was an incredible experience for me. I ended up writing a, a paper and in, in, in effect uh, what the primary thesis of my paper was uh, ending the embargo. So that was 1992-1993 uh, so we're talking 25 years ago uh, when I wrote that paper and that's what really kicked off uh, my interest in Cuba. Okay, so fast forward 25 years, uh, you're now a practicing attorney who has a passion to develop business relations with Cuba. Uh, what role has your legal background played in this process? So I started off doing uh, commercial litigation, uh, working for a firm in, in, in Houston. Uh, back in 05, I started my own practice where I made a shift doing exclusively transactional work, helping start businesses, helping businesses buy other companies, enter into joint ventures, and things of that nature. And I was also very politically involved. In fact, 
some friends of mine and I started a political action committee uh, back in 04. This is when uh, President Bush and Senator, at the time, Senator John Kerry were having a presidential debate. And um, there was an ad that was called a Swift Boat ad. ad. It, was, it was called a Swift Boat ad. And it was financed by a political action committee. My friends and I were wondering what was a political action committee. So to make a long story short, we actually started one. And as a result of starting that pack, uh, I developed quite a bit of relationships locally, uh, statewide, and even uh, in, in other states uh, as a result of starting a political action committee. And as a result of starting that political action committee and developing a lot of political relationships, I started representing companies that had an interest in doing business with the government. That translated into me, in effect, becoming a more of a government affairs lawyer. And that evolved into me representing a lot of major companies, uh, Southwest Airlines, AT&T, United States Gypsum, United Healthcare, and others. And uh, that was uh, how I ended up eventually starting to represent companies in Cuba, because when President Obama announced that Cuba and the United States were normalizing relations. I started getting phone calls from corporate clients asking, how do you do business in Cuba? Uh, I didn't know how to do business in Cuba because uh, most American companies were not doing business in Cuba. So uh, what I did know was that I had the basic skills to start that process because it's very relationship driven. Uh, but I knew I had to get on the ground in Cuba to start that process. So uh, I uh, looked up what conferences were coming up on the island. I planned to attend the Cuba Energy and Infrastructure Conference. And it just so happened that I went to lunch with a client of mine. Uh, we had no agenda. We were just catching up. And I passively mentioned to him that I was going to be going to Cuba in a few months for a conference. Uh, and he said he would be interested in joining me. Well, that client uh, is a very large liquid natural gas company uh, who is now uh, a client that I'm now also representing in helping enter the Cuban market. And if, it, if, if this deal goes through, it would be, uh, as the Cuban government says, unprecedented. So why do a podcast about doing business with Cuba? Oh, my, my goal is very clear, and it's twofold. Uh, I want to see U.S. companies in particular start doing business with Cuba because I believe that will lead into the United States, uh, understanding that there is a great opportunity for U.S. businesses in Cuba, which will ultimately lift, uh, lead to the lifting of the travel and trade embargoes. And then, uh, you know, on the Cuba side, it helps the standard of living for uh, everyday Cubans, which frankly include most of my family members. So thank you for listening to the Cuban Connection. Please subscribe using iTunes, Google Play or any other podcasting service that you use. Again, 
Be sure to share this podcast with a friend. Until next time, my name is Felix Chevalier with The Cuban Connection.